0: But we can stop it once we become aware to actually sort of notice where we're at, and that's what you were saying. It's really important with overwhelm to notice when you're when you're there, because you know you can either go back up to be, being a happy nurse, or you might keep going down the line towards burnout. Welcome to the Happy
1: Nurse Podcast. Nurses are the backbone of healthcare, always there to care for strangers as if they were one of their own, often forsaking special moments with their own family in order to ensure another's loved one is being cared for. As nurses, self-care is essential. I am Elena Mullery, nurse educator and self-care mentor for nurses. I'm an RN with 20 years of clinical experience, a first-hand experience of stress and burnout. It was this experience which led me to develop a passion for personal development and pursue the study of mindfulness, meditation, hypnotherapy and neuro-linguistic programming. Each episode, I will be promoting self-care strategies to those who always care for others. I have broken self-care down into five aspects. Mental, emotional, physical, spiritual and indulgence to make it easy to ensure all your self-care needs are being met. Each episode I will interview nurses and self-care gurus from around the world to help you with each aspect of your self-care. Welcome to the Happy Nurse Podcast with Elena Mullery. Welcome to another episode of the Happy Nurse Podcast. I'm Elena as you all know and today I am joined by my friend, colleague, and my coach, Lauren Bell. Nice to have you back on the show, Lauren. Thank you, Elena. It's
0: always beautiful, lovely to be here.
1: After 30-plus years as a registered nurse and over 16 years as a holistic therapist, Lauren is pursuing her passion as a wellness and wealth coach, thought leader, consultant, speaker, and author of upcoming book, The Anxiety Relief Handbook. Lauren teaches caring professionals from around the world how to step up, stand out and be valued at the highest level in their field. She delivers high impact transformation that clears the inner blocks to self-caring, wealth and success to reveal the on fire enthusiasm and charisma that is within you. The key to skyrocketing your health and wealth to live and love your extraordinary life. And I will vouch for that. You really do. Because having been your client for the past six months, my life has really transformed and happiness has taken off beyond my wildest dreams. So I want to just say thank you to you for your support over the last six months as well, Lauren.
0: No, you're so welcome. And I do, I love that the bit about skyrocketing because to me, you are just a rocket launching. So it's been, <laughs> <laughs> it's been beautiful to watch
1: I'm very excited to be a co-author with you on this upcoming anxiety relief handbook that we're both contributing to. It's um, a real honor to be contributing alongside you and and other amazing authors as well
0: yeah and to be a published author has been a secret dream of mine for really only a few years ago when another previous client said to me one day my god you should write a book and I was like "Mm, okay and then the thought sort of planted the seed planted and the thought grew and and here we are we're due to be published in February so how exciting
1: It's very exciting. And I'm actually enjoying the process of writing my chapter. It's going to, like you, I've had this dream for a long time now. And since I developed my five aspects model of self-care, I've been itching to get it into print. So, yeah, it's really exciting to see it all coming to fruition. Yeah, absolutely. We will pop the link to the pre-sales of the book in the show notes for anyone who is interesting in pre-ordering a copy. So you can find it there. But today we're actually going to focus on anxiety and speak about our experiences and what you can expect to find when you read our chapters in the Anxiety Relief Handbook. So Lauren, how are you tackling this or what's your experience that you're going to be sharing the yeah, great. Um, I'm going from
0: anxiety, professional anxiety. So that's anxiety that we experience at work, in the workplace or about our work. Uh, and because of the people that I do work with, you know, what I find is so many people have high standards and high ideals about what they really want to do and what they how they really want to present and make an impact. And one thing I notice with them too is they tend to be really overgiving and really caring for everyone else and putting not their own needs as a priority. But then also even though they want to do more and they're really drawn to helping so many people, not letting down their bosses or their patients or those things, that they have these standards that they're trying to live up to and still not feeling good about themselves. So they go and do more and more studies or more, you know, they have the experience and yet they doubt themselves and they're not putting themselves forward for positions that they could do that they would be amazing at. They don't, they lack that inner confidence. So I'm really working with the anxiety that comes from the pressure that we put on ourselves and that sort of perfectionism, the procrastination and the overwhelm that, that happens because of it. And then, of course, there's also anxiety in the workplace when we're not working in cultures that are really supportive of you know, caring professionals and things like that too. So though, both those aspects.
1: So much of that applies to the nursing profession as well, as you know, having been a nurse for 30 years yourself. And I call it imposter syndrome And I know I've experienced it, and I've certainly experienced it in the past couple of years whilst launching Happiness, because it's all those inner critics, those thoughts that go through your head, you know, who are you? Who do you think you are? Who wants to listen to what you've got to say? And it has taken a bit of work, and especially like, you'll know that you've been on this journey with me, to get past that. So yeah, any tools that are out there to help with these things are amazing because we're all we've all got huge potential and we can all chase our dreams and i think it's so important to reiterate that to everyone you know you're never stuck you can always make a change and just by reframing those thoughts that we have in our minds and and downplaying our value really we can um, make a huge contribution to the world
0: yeah I agree. I think for me, so much of it is about that really owning the value, really seeing, yes, the gift and the contribution that you have. We're all unique, and all of our experiences and journeys adds to who we are and what we have to offer. And I think both of you and I have got to this point because of our own journeys. And yeah, uh, you know, for me, going through burnout, And now that lived experience that I know happens to so many people and what I did, how I climbed out of that and what I learned along the way, that's what I teach. And and it is all about owning that authority and, and claiming that value that is really inside you that we all have.
1: If you enjoy meditating or you would like to give meditation a try, why not head on over to happiness.com.au forward slash meditation to download my free guided meditation for stress and anxiety relief? It's 12 minutes of pure self care. I think my journey has inspired me as well because, as the, the listeners know, you know, my mum was a nurse and she died tragically at 37. And I a lot of what I do, I am inspired by her because I think, you know, she never got the opportunity to do these things. So I have this understanding of how life, it's so volatile and it can disappear at any moment. So we have to do what we can while we're here. And if we want to make an impact and make a difference, then why not just step out and do it? It's a lot scarier than it's. <laughs> It's it's a lot um, scarier, yeah, than it sounds.
0: No, that's right. Well, it is. But it's one small small step after each small step, isn't it? And one of the things that um, you know that I do is really asking you to celebrate every step along the way because we're so used to being critical about what we've done or what we should have done or what wasn't good enough or, you know, we're always – as you said, we need to reframe. So if we're always coming from that viewpoint of what wasn't good enough, we never ever get that sense of satisfaction and that sense that we are doing a good job. But really, if we celebrate every step and just take one foot in front of the other, then that actually is how we move forward. And as we move forward, we can keep seeing progress and we keep being open to opportunities that are presenting all the time to
1: us. Yeah, they are, and it's recognizing them. And that's one thing I love about working with you. Lauren always starts her starts her coaching calls with what are you celebrating? We always focus on the positive. And I think as a society, we don't do that. We're all so focused on what's wrong with us or what we believe is wrong with us, you know. But when we look at ourselves through the lens of others, they see a very different version to what we actually believe that we have. I can't I was reading um Jay Shetty's book. I'm sure it was his book I was reading. And he says we're living life through a lens of a lens. You know, we're we're living our life by what we believe someone else is interpreting us as, you know, so it's like a double lens kind of thing instead of just being aligned with our own values and our own beliefs. And and I think that's been a huge part of my what I call my unravelling you know I've shared recently about my homesickness and you know this story too Lauren and how I realized I wasn't actually homesick for Scotland I was homesick for me and who I really was because I'd taken on all these personas of who I believe people believed I was you know and it was like this double lens that he speaks about yeah and yeah coming back home to myself has been a huge part of my journey and but when i wasn't in that space i was in this constant state of overwhelm and stress and i didn't think at the time i didn't realize what was going on but now looking back I realize and this is what I'm going to speak about in my chapter and unpack and talk about that overwhelmed state that I lived in for such a long time and it was because I was actually trying to be someone that I'm not.
0: Yeah I I relate to that too and um, recently shared with you I've had a lot of anxiety over the years around speaking up and yeah, sharing my voice, sharing my opinions. But it did really start with, you know, as a child. And I have a story that highlights it a little bit, which was, You know, I was shopping with my mum and my sister, and it was a Saturday morning. And back then, the shops closed at midday, and we were out to buy new shoes. You know, new best shoes for going out. And we had obviously been looking around at a few and couldn't come up with anything. And my mum was starting to get really exasperated. And because I've always been that sensitive, empathic person, like always, I could I was tuned into her, and I was starting to get really nervous about, you know, how we, you know, what she was going to do. So then she's picked up a pair of shoes and said, what about these ones? And I've just said, yes, I like them. I hated them. (laughs) I, I hated them. And then every time I put them on, I just, you know, remember hating them and thinking to myself, you know, you just agree with this. And my sister who was younger, who is younger, she was always, well, we called her stubborn, but really she was just more assertive and more aligned with what her truth was. And so she just didn't accept until she was happy. And so she would go along and get the things that she wanted and I would settle for these things that I never wanted just to keep peace, just to go along with it. And so this anxiety about speaking up and sharing my truth, has really been with me you know all my life even to the point where you know you've got a nurse unit manager and you want to ask for annual leave and because you're by this stage you've bought some cheap airfare or something and you're really sort of attached to it and have it coming true i would be in this state of anxiety before i even asked her if i could get annual leave like it just can affect you so much
1: yeah massively and It can be called different things as well, you know, anxiety, overwhelm, stress. It's all interchangeable.
0: I agree. Overwhelm, stress and anxiety. I I usually would refer to overwhelm and stress. And you know, even writing this chapter as I'm enjoying it too, but it's pushed my pushed my confidence, or not my confidence, it's pushed my stress levels. I've been waking early in the morning, my mind's racing, can't go back to sleep and sort of, you know, doing the research about what's really going on for me, but also for other people when they're facing anxiety. But I would always say that I've been more using the word stress and overwhelm so much than anxiety. And it's just really, it's just a choice. And for me personally, it was something that felt, I think, a little bit more positive to say that I was overwhelmed or stressed but really anxiety is one of those feelings that comes with both of those words or both of those descriptions of what the state is that I was actually in.
1: Yeah I've got that model that I broke it all down into the journey from a happy nurse to a burnt out nurse and I always speak about overwhelm being the tipping point in the middle and identifying when you're hitting that overwhelm is crucial to going back up towards a happiness rather than on the the slippery slope down to being burnt out so but yeah it's definitely interchangeable with anxiety because when you look at all the symptoms of what I list as overwhelm they are exactly the same as what you would say anxiety is it's um you know that you feel irritable you feel like your boundaries are being pushed you're So you're doing that people pleasing, you know, so it's causing extra pressure on you, which then heightens the anxiety. You, um, you're reactive. You have all
0: the fight and flight symptoms, you know, the racing heart and the shortness of breath and, you know, all of those other, you can't think straight. All of those things happen too.
1: Yeah, and it's exactly the same. I mean, you'll see panic attacks. That's what happens. You know, that's heightened anxiety. But it's the same thing, the shortness of breath, the heart heart palpitations, you know, our body's going into that fight or flight, as she said. So
0: and the and the mind, you know, I can't deal with this. I can't cope. What do I do next? Like it's not, nothing that is, because we're bypassing our higher cortical thinking, we're actually in the, you know, the emotional centre, the survival brain. And so it's like I can't deal with this, I can't cope, it's too much, all of those things, that's what's sort of going on. And, and yeah, if we keep going down that thought line, we just get worse and worse. As you say, we might end up even into panic attack. But we can stop it once we become aware to actually sort of notice where we're at. And that's what you were saying. It's really important with overwhelm to notice when you're when you're there, because you know you can either go back up to be being happiness, or you might keep going down the line towards burnout. Yeah,
1: because the pressure that that puts on our bodies to be in that constant state is not not healthy
0: you know for body mind or spirit it's it's not healthy in any of those areas and it impacts all parts of our life including yeah our relationships because you were saying you know we become snappy we become resentful we become yeah just a, it impacts everything I loved a story I heard many years ago with my holistic therapies um, and it was talking about these chronic states of stress that we end up in and you know like when an animal like say a deer, is um, eating the grass and all of a sudden a tiger jumps out behind the bush, the deer, fight and flight's activated and races, you know, so we get heart pumping, shallow breathing, quick rapid breathing and, you know, blood supply going to our muscles. We don't need to be logically thinking about this at this time. There's no thought. We're just getting out of the way or the deer's getting out of the way. And when it stops, when it outruns the tiger, What it does once it feels like it's safe, it shakes off all that extra energy, all that adrenaline and all of those built up um, emotions or chemicals that are in the body and shakes it off. And then it can go back to eating its grass again. So it moves back into the rest and digest phase. Whereas as a human being, we don't really have the tiger jump out not usually but we have this sort of lower level chronic stress and then we never get to the end where we shake it off and instead of shaking it off as well we then turn around and go why me why did that have to happen to me or whatever other thought that just continually feeds that stress and I thought I think that's just a beautiful story to illustrate the difference and why we've got ourselves as a human being and species to this state where we're dealing with so much stress all the time.
1: Yeah, that you've made me think about what I do intuitively, actually, when I am stressed. I'm going to share this with you. All. My my ex husband used to laugh at me initially, but then he would. When I did get agitated, he'd be like, "Go and do that thing you do." If I'm lying in bed and I can't sleep and I can't settle, and it is because I'm stressed, I get up and I just jump around and I shake my arms and I shake my head and everything, and then I get back into bed and I settle and I go to sleep. Oh, that's amazing! <laughs> that's fantastic. Well,
0: that needs to go yeah, in your book. That's a I, um, yeah. That needs to go in your chapter as a strategy because, yeah, that that makes sense. And now you know why. Like there's a actually a physiological reason why that does work.
1: Yeah, it's really funny because I especially it, – it's funny how it accumulates in your body too. I get it stuck in like my elbow joint. It's like this horrible – tingling itchy feeling and I just feel like I just want to shake my arms and get rid of it so yeah there you go you've just unpacked another thing for my chat (laughs) thanks Lauren
0: (laughs) that's great but yeah you think about it and of course anxiety and uh, overwhelm and stress you know especially when we're about to do something that we maybe haven't done before we want to perform well and so of course one of the coaching tools my chapter is all about coaching and self-coaching is that we can reframe it again and we can reframe it because physiologically as well anxiety and excitement are very very similar they have very similar neurochemical sort of recipes if you like And so when we're about to do something, instead of thinking to ourselves, oh, my God, I'm so nervous, I'm so nervous, stop being so nervous, you know, those types of thoughts that are not going to help but are probably going to exacerbate it, we can then reframe it to go, you know, I'm really excited, my body's preparing me for this. And just those types of ideas, your brain actually believes it and can and can deal with it to know that, yeah, you're just getting yourself ready. I mean, you don't want to suddenly go on stage and be, you know, really zen and calm and, you know, (laughs) people might fall asleep. So you do have to have a little bit of energy that's a bit more than what the audience is at.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I'm just going to circle back to something you said right at the start there about the fear as well that rises in us. And I think you'll probably relate with this. As nurses, we are in that constant, well, I know I was, especially in the early days, and even today, still, you're constantly in that state of this is life or death stuff. You know, I make a mistake that could have really serious consequences. So there's always that kind of unsaid fear hanging over us all the time because. We can't make errors in our judgment at work. You know, it's, we're dealing with people's lives. And I think as nurses, we, just, we carry this kind of unspoken of anxiety with us all the time. It's just part of what we do. Would you agree with that?
0: Uh, absolutely. And when I've spoken with other nurses, you know, interviewing for my work and how I help people, Definitely, that is something that is common. And it's not just I don't think about the responsibility, the responsibility that we hold, of you know, life, but it's this fear of getting into trouble too, because, you know, the way the healthcare system is set up or, and particularly for nurses, it's so hierarchical. That they talk about non-blame cultures, and I know you and I have talked about this before too, but really they do blame. They don't really always support. There's often that scapegoating, and and I think people are aware, nurses are aware that they could be blamed for something, that it's we often will t- also talk about the Swiss cheese holes lining up when really this thing happens and that thing happens and someone else does this and, you know, all the circumstances and the chists. The Swiss cheese lines up and something untoward goes on. But often in the case of that, nurses are actually pulled out of that and then blamed for what their part of it has been. That's certainly been an experience that I know many nurses have gone through and I've spoken to a lot of them about it. So this fear of getting into trouble is is constant.
1: I recently saw... A post on Facebook written by a registrar. I'm not entirely sure how how correct it is, but he was saying how he was talking about nurses and how the public have this persona of what we do, and it's actually far from what we actually do, and we're actually very qualified, you know, university-trained professionals. And he was saying, even like if he was to prescribe a drug wrong, but the nurse was to administer it she would be held responsible partly for administering that drug. So, you know, it just shows you we have to know a lot of these pharmaceutical stuff that that, um, the doctors know as well.
0: Oh, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that is part of our nursing responsibility, isn't it? We've got nine rights to giving drugs to make sure that it's, you know, the right patient, the right time, the right dose, the right you know, indication, the right drug, all of those things. I mean, yeah, and so there is that responsibility that if you're giving a drug that you know what the side effects and and that it's the right indication and the dosage and things like that. So, and I think the difference, it goes back to what I was saying before that I do feel that, and I was told this by a doctor and I think that's probably why I'm sort of latching onto it, but he was saying that... Um, in the medicine, they sort of look out for each other a bit more, and they support each other a little bit more when errors happen. Whereas the nursing, as I was saying too, is that it's more hierarchical and more of this blame culture. So I think that's why so many people feel that pressure as well. I mean, not that we want to make a mistake, of course, but but mistakes do happen, and so it is about minimising. And that's why, you know, it just reminds me now we think about in theatres how they have the checklist before surgery and, you know, we call everyone by first names now to break down any of those hierarchical barriers that stop you from speaking up and alerting, you know, someone who's a superior position that, you know, they might be doing something wrong so that, you know, we can speak up. But still, if there's that underlying sense that we could be blamed it does impact on our stress for sure
1: yeah definitely and it doesn't make for cohesive teams either if there's that underlying kind of fear of the hierarchy that's going on in the department so yeah the fear is a huge thing I think with nurses because it's that life or death situation because we could make one error and it could cost someone some kind of serious injury if not worse which we don't even want to think about you know Mm, that's right yeah so yeah having tools to help you manage these things and to be more present in what you're actually doing is what I believe um can make to a much happier environment to work in. And I know, like, I'm obviously trained in mindfulness, and I pool on that practice a lot when I'm at work. And I've read a really great book called um, Attendings, called um, Humanity and Mindfulness in Medicine, and it's written by an MD. And he has some amazing insights in it about how you can pool mindfulness into the healthcare sector for um health professionals i'll put the link to the book in in the show notes but one of the things that he speaks about and i revisited this book recently i read it years ago and then yeah i picked it up the other day and he speaks about if you do feel like you're going up into your head focus on your feet because it brings you right back down into your body and into the present moment and just think about where your feet are you know is the weight evenly distributed how do they feel in the shoes you're wearing or connected to the floor or you know and it just it pulls you out of your head and back down into your body and present and I thought that was a great technique because we can do that any moment when we are working absolutely Yeah. yeah
0: and that's what you know for me a lot about when you're in that escalation of anxiety and the stress is building, or you wake up in it. It's about coming back out of your head and into your body, and so that's the technique that I do too. It's the it's mindfulness, really. It's where am I feeling this in my body? You know, what are the what are the sensations? Um, but I do love that, and I love that idea of feeling your feet on the floor and your feet in the shoes, and you know, even assessing. Yeah, where's my balance? Am I centred? Because all of those things are going to help us just to feel grounded and solid and calmer.
1: Yeah, I thought it was a great technique. He's got some really good things in that book, um, good, helpful advice. So, yeah, I'd recommend anyone who's interested to read it.
0: Yeah, and also in our book in, we'll be going through – you know, the techniques to actually be able to bring yourself to this place where we can observe our symptoms or what's actually going on for us and how to start reassessing it so that we can have tools and strategies in place for when that happens and not have to go as far or deep or as long into these places because it's normal that we will go there. You know, these are not abnormal emotions. These are normal emotions. And it's just that we often sort of label it as being really wrong. It's only when it becomes chronic and debilitating that that it can actually have, you know, greater effects on us and on our health. And so once again, knowing that it can be normal, but having this awareness of who we are, how we are, and how we're responding at that moment, what we're thinking about it can help us in that moment right now. But also later, we can look back on it, on it and reflect what was going on, what was I doing? And so, these are the tools that I like to, because I'm talking about coaching, it's about the self coaching questions that you can ask yourself. And because often it is the inner critic and these other aspects that are working so hard to keep you safe, really, but we can also activate that inner coach, that one that does celebrate, the one that is encouraging those types of things and allows you to look at where things might not have been going so well for you, but without doing it from that judgment and shame and embarrassment sort of place, but more from a curiosity place of like, okay, what's going on? Why do I do this? What is triggering me, you know, and and getting more awareness.
1: And I think that's beautiful. And, it's something that we don't do as a society even we tend to just push it down put the lid on it and then it's when it all starts to build up we can only push stuff down so far we become that proverbial pressure cooker you know and then that's when we go into these massive states of um, anxiety attacks or we get burnt out because we just haven't dealt with it and as nurses we're all meant to do reflective practice so yeah what a beautiful way to do your reflective practice look at the emotions that have come up during the day because we work in a very emotional environment you know we're dealing with people who are probably feeling the most vulnerable they can in their life at times and they um it all rubs off on us and we pick up on the energy that they're giving off as well. And we're being there as their kind of lighthouse, you know, their pillar of support. So there's a huge amount of pressure put on us that way too. And yeah, reflective practice and just really thinking about what happened in your day and how you've contributed as well as you've got to focus. That's what I love about your coaching, Lauren, is you focus on the positives and what you're celebrating as well as what has gone wrong, you know, because I don't believe that we ever fail. There's always a lesson. So we're always learning something, you know, because if you make a mistake, you're not going to do it again because you've learned something. So yeah I do that with my yeah. group, my clients as well I get them to do a lot of reflective journaling so that'll be in my chapter as well
0: yeah great and you know that's one of the symptoms I think for burnout and certainly was contributed to me was not feeling like I was doing a good job anywhere you know and so what you're saying is really good like what what did you do what can what contribution did you make today what was Great. So, you know, extending on the celebration part too, like seeing both sides of it rather than the bits that you didn't do. Because I know definitely with burnout, so much of it is that not feeling like you're really living up to that potential.
1: Well, I feel like we've come full circle here on this episode. yeah so it's a great way to finish off. Um thank you for sharing your wisdom with us as always. Lauren and I, as I said at the start of the show, are two of 12 authors who are contributing to the Anxiety Relief Handbook. This handbook is a compilation of all 12 of our strategies and tools that we deal we use to deal with um, anxiety and the reflective phase of anxiety, with both personally and with clients that we work with. So the pre-sales are now open. It gets published in February. If you would like to get your hands on some of the first copies hot off the press, I'll pop the link in the show notes so you can do that. It's been a pleasure, Lauren. I love chatting to you. Chat to you all day. Thank you oh, for no. again. <laughs>
0: Thank you, thank you so much for having me. It's been um, really interesting, and uh, you know, even just unpacking um, this and talking about this a bit more, it's it's alerted me to some new ideas as well. Things that we do intuitively that uh, that we are actually, you know, we have the answers inside us, and I think that's what's amazing.
1: Yeah, like me with the Bambi dance. That's what I'm going to call it. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> here on this episode. <laughs> right yeah it's been a pleasure thank you lauren
0: thank you bye
1: thank you for listening to the happy nurse podcast if you've enjoyed today's content and would like to join the happy nurse community head over to facebook and check out the happy nurse au facebook page and request to join the happy nurse community also check out happynurse.com.au for access to free downloads and subscription to my blog see you soon And in the meantime, remember to always offer yourself the same compassion that you so freely give to others.